Good afternoon, my Facebook peeps. Welcome back for another episode here of The Word Encounter. So we're going to continue on into chapter 37 of Genesis. But before we get started, I want to send a, a shout out to somebody special. Uh, to my wife, um, we're together in quarantine all day long. And uh, she has found time and space in order to tune in to these, uh, to these word encounters that I'm doing. And so I so appreciate her presence here. Um, and, uh, and I just wanted to, to make that statement before we get started. Also, uh, I think I may have forgotten something I meant to mention in a previous episode, uh, back in chapter 30 of Genesis verse 22. Uh, I, I think I forgot to mention the birth of Joseph, which was critical. And in verse 22, it says, then God remember Rachel. Now remember that Leah was having all of these sons, and then her slave had sons, and then Rachel's slave had sons, but Rachel herself didn't have any kids. She was barren. And so in verse 22, it says, and God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son, and she said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, may the Lord add another son to me. And we know that the Lord was faithful when she prayed that because Benjamin was added, but Rachel died in, in childbirth with Benjamin. And so, so we move on to um, chapter 37. And it says here that uh, Joseph at this time is 17 years old. So he's a young lad, he's 17 years old. And uh, obviously he's the youngest of, uh, well, except for Benjamin. So he's got, what, 10 older brothers and an older sister. And uh, so the brothers uh, were out working in the field. And uh, we see here how Israel felt about Joseph in verse 3. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age. Now, first of all, that's problematic, okay, when you love a child more than the other ones because everybody knows it. You know, all the kids know it. You're not hiding anything. And so you can't play favorites when you're a parent. But we see here that Israel loved Joseph more. And it says here that uh, he made a robe of many colors for him. Now remember that in verse four, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. And so because of the father's love, because he was playing favorites, you know, the other sons hated him. They didn't like not being on the same plane, on the same level. Who would be? Or who would like it? Nobody would like that. And so uh, in verse uh, five, we see that then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Verse six, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. There we were binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly my sheaf stood up and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And so he's essentially telling his brothers that I have risen to be greater than you and you will serve me. And of course, his brothers got indignant about that. And then he keeps going on in verse nine. He says, I had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun, moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. So we see again that Joseph is telling his brothers that all of you eventually are going to bow down to me, that I am essentially going to be your ruler. I'm essentially going to be your king. In verse 10, it says, he told his fathers and brothers and his fathers rebuked, rebuked him. 
what kind of dream is this uh, that you have had? He said, I am, oh, am I, your mother and your brothers really going to come down and bow down to, to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this matter in mind. And so essentially, it seems like Israel was just putting on a show for the other brothers when he's talking to Joseph about, you know, what is this dream you have? Because the word says that he kept this in mind. And so he knew something was up, but he wasn't quite sure what the deal was. And so because of the brothers in their angst with regard to Joseph, they decided to plot and get rid of him. He says, we can't, we can't deal with this dude. We got to get rid of him. And so <clears throat> they were working out in the field. And Israel sent him out in the field to learn from his brothers with regard to what they were doing, how they were tending sheep, or whatever they were doing out there. And then in verse 18 in chapter 37, it says, They, the brothers, saw him in the distance, and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, Oh, look, here comes that dream expert. So now, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. In verse 21, then Reuben, when Reuben heard this, now remember Reuben is the oldest one, he tried to save him from them. He said, let's not take his life. Reuben also said to them, don't shed blood. Throw him into the pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him, uh, intending to rescue him uh, from them later when he would return. So Reuben was going to go away to, to see the old man and then come back and get him out of the pit. And so that was his plan. He didn't tell anybody that, but that was his plan. And so then in verse 23, it says, When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the robe of many colors, the one that his father had given to him. <clears throat> then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without water. So I don't know how deep this pit was, but they threw him in there. Obviously, he survived, but he couldn't get out. In verse 25, they sat down to eat a meal after they did this. And when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Galilee. The camels were carrying aromatic gum, balsam, resin, going down to Egypt. So here comes a trade caravan uh, taking their goods down to Egypt to sell. In verse 26, Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? And so Judah, the second oldest, he's also trying to convince the other brothers, we don't want to kill Joseph. You know, we just want to get rid of him. Verse 27, come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him. For he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers agreed. When many a night traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt. And so now Joseph is gone and then Reuben comes back to find him to take him out of the pit, but he's not there. He's like, where is he? And he said, well, we sold him. And so in verse 31, it says, so they took Joseph's robe, one of many colors, slaughtered a male goat and dipped the, robe into, dipped the robe into its blood. They sent the robe of many colors to their father and said, we found this, examine it. Is it your son's robe or not? And so they know that it's his robe. And so this is their way of telling their father that a vicious animal had killed Joseph and he's no longer there. And of course, Israel, <coughs> excuse me, Israel was distraught. He tore his clothes or tore his robe, he put sackcloth on, and he was just distraught. 
And it says, meanwhile, in verse 36, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. And so uh, they sold uh, Joseph to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites sold Joseph to Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard. And so uh, as we move on, uh, we have to remember that Joseph is still blessed of the Lord. Now, it doesn't seem like it as of right now. He's been thrown into the pit and sold as a slave, sold again. And he's somebody he's in somebody else's house. And so <clears throat> it says here in chapter 39, verse two. Now, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man ser serving in the household of his Egyptian master. And so he was successful as a servant right? that to us, it sounds kind of weird. How can you be a successful servant, I guess? But yes, he was a successful servant. And in verse three, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. And so again, everything Joseph is touching is turning to gold because God is with him. And so Potiphar recognizes this Potiphar wants to get in on the transaction. He wants to say, hey, if this guy is blessed and he's under my employ, then my household needs to get blessed. So I'm going to put him in charge of everything. And so uh, Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed uh, all that he owned under his authority. So everything that Potiphar owned, Joseph was in charge of because Potiphar recognized that God was with him. In verse five, from that time, he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. And so we see that if we take it into a modern day vernacular, in a lot of instances, when we hear slave or servant in the Bible, that's akin to kind of being an employee kind of like, in, in kind of sort of way, even though your employer can't really sell and buy you. Well, they kind of can, I guess. I, I don't know. But anyway, and, and so what we see here is that Joseph was faithful to do what he was supposed to do. And because of that, his master was blessed. He was blessed, but his master was also blessed. And so wherever we are, wherever we're working, whatever we're doing, us and those around us, if we are being true and faithful to the Lord and his tenants, we should all be getting blessed. We shouldn't be doing things in order to get blessed, but getting blessed should be a byproduct of doing right, of being righteous. And so, and not just us, but those around us, those in our sphere of influences. And so, we see that this is exactly what was happening with Potiphar. Now it says, now Joseph was well built and handsome. In verse seven, after some time, Potiphar's wife looked longingly at Joseph, at Joseph and said, sleep with me. Here we go again. Anyway, in verse 10, it says, although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Remember, Joseph is righteous. He was being a little knucklehead with his brothers and whatnot, but he's still righteous. In verse 11, now one day he went into the house to do work and none of his house or none of the household servants were there. Verse 12, she grabbed him by his garment and said, sleep with me. But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. Now, this is this is a lesson. Whenever temptation comes our way, in many cases, what we should do is flee because testing your will sometimes is not the best option. 
You know, sometimes it's just to get out of dodge, get out of the sphere of temptation so that you don't succumb to it. Don't uh, put more stock in your ability to resist things. Instead, just avoid them. Get out, get out of dodge. And that's exactly what Joseph did. In verse 16, she put Joseph's garment beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the same story. The Hebrew slave you bought to, brought to us came to make a fool of me. But when I screamed for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. And so when the master found out, he took Joseph and threw him in the prison. So she lied. I mean, she just lied. He wouldn't give her what she wanted. And so she lied on him. And so now Joseph finds himself in prison. But even in prison, this is what the word says. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor with the prison warden. In verse 22, the warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority. So even in jail, even in jail, Joseph was still being blessed and watched over by the Lord, even in jail. And so we see that when we stay in, in, the, in the good graces of the Lord, how things can happen with and for us, and not only us, but for those around us. And so this is going to get even more interesting as we move forward with regard to Joseph and, and his destiny. And so, Father God, in the name of Jesus we just thank you. We thank you for this word on this day. And Father, I just ask personally that if there are any of those that are out there who do not know you, that through this uh, Facebook Live or through other means, or if, if this is just planting seeds and they'll get watered elsewhere, whatever, but they may come to a recognition of your glorious nature and your awesomeness, and they will acknowledge your presence and follow your word. And Father God, we just thank you, we honor you, we praise you in Jesus' name. We'll see you tomorrow.